your work life, all of our work lives. Welcome to Work with Marty Nemco. In a few minutes, as I promoed for this week, I will be having a debate with my wife about whether work-life balance is always worth striving for. We'll take both sides of that issue. But there's something I wanted to try. I like to try a little experiment. So um, I have talked previously with you about time management, but the format has been kind of standard, a list of tips. But some people are helped more by a story, an example. So here is a composite story built of a large number of my clients of how someone with, quote, poor time management skills got better. It was noon, and he finally woke up. He looked at his nightstand and saw the article that his mother had sent him on time management. He ripped it up and then stared at the bottle of pills My life sucks, totally. Work, relationships, money, everything. He then glanced at the other thing on his nightstand, the picture of his children, and he thought, Should I try yet again some stupid baby step? But what? I can't make myself look for a job. I'm I'm too embarrassed to date anyone. I can't do crap. He stared, and he stared, and then he reached under his mattress to pull out the hundred dollars he had stored there. He crawled out of bed and crept around his apartment for more money. He found a bunch of change under the sofa, two bucks in a pair of pants, plus the thirteen bucks in his wallet, a total, therefore, of a hundred and eighteen dollars and seventy-three cents. He forced himself, yes, forced himself, to get dressed, and he trudged to the bank around the corner, where he had an account with about 500 bucks in it. May I speak with some investment person? He ended up putting the $118.73 into a money market account and invested the other 500 bucks in what are called diamonds. It's like a mutual fund that divides his money across the Dow Jones 30 industrials. He thought, it's silly, (laughs) but it feels good to be a part owner, even a trivial part owner of companies like Apple, Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble. And if they do well, I do well. It's not such a bad bet. That hint of hope freed him up to think about work. What would be easy and fun? So he padded into a nearby bookstore and mustered up the courage to say one sentence. You need somebody to help out during, like, busy days? And the employee said, Well, we we use subs when someone wants a day off. You want to go on the sub list? And he nodded. And four days later, he was called to sub the next day. He was tempted to lie and say that he had a previous engagement, but he said to himself, I can do this, and and if I don't, it's going to be the pills, and God knows what that'll do to my kids. So he summoned the obvious time management techniques that he previously blew off. He prepared his clothes the night before. He set an alarm clock across the room so he had to get up, and he set it early, so there was time for the inevitable, unanticipated delays. 
When he arrived at the bookstore, his boss said, Today we're doing inventory. I'll show you how. You'll do the psychology, women's studies, ethnic studies, and race studies section. That'll keep you busy. That tempted him to run away. Pressure. Pressure. I can't stand it. What excuse should I give? Or should I just walk out? But he flashed again on his kids, and this time about himself. If I stay focused and I don't let myself get too distracted by looking at the books or the pretty women, I can get this done. I have to get this done, really. But I can't rush. If I make mistakes, that's as bad as not getting it done. Go medium. And he succeeded. Yeah, he made a few mistakes. And yeah, he didn't quite get it all finished. But he did reasonably well. And his boss said, Great, I hope you can come back tomorrow. And he did. And as he walked home, a thought flicked through his mind, picturing himself going out with one of the women in the bookstore. And such were the first baby steps in his rise from the edge. As he was lying in bed the next morning, at 7.30 a.m., not noon, he reflected on the lessons he had learned. (laughs) The damn baby steps. I'm sick of hearing it, but it helps. I'm glad I picked something easy and fun to get me started. I'll never admit this to my mother, but maybe she was right. Set an alarm clock and put it across the room so you have to get up to turn it off. I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about what I'd say when I went to the bookstore. If I had, I'd probably wrapped myself in rumination and not gone. Preparing the night before helps. Allowing extra time helps. Something always happens that delays things. Yeah, go medium. Not rush, not spacey, medium. Forcing yourself to act and to stay focused. It's hard, but it it gets easier. And it feels pretty darn good after you've accomplished something. And finally he thought, funny, how tiny wins... Investing a few bucks in an ETF, like a mutual fund, doing inventory in a store, which a monkey could do, makes me think about doing more stuff. Maybe even meeting a woman. Anyway, those tips that were embedded in that story probably weren't much different than those in the time management article his mother had sent him that he ripped up and that I, over the years, have shared with you. But perhaps if, in fact, you prefer to hear it in a story... There is experiment for today. And uh, now, I would like to, uh, as promised, um, I'd like to introduce my wife, Dr. Barbara Nemco. She's the Napa County Superintendent of Schools, winner of seven national awards for innovation and education, and a frequent co-conspirator on the show, uh, Dr. Barbara Nemco. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Any reactions to the story I just did, or should we move right into work-life balance? Your call. I think the story is is fine. Um, Sometimes it helps to take these abstract concepts and hear it in the context of somebody's life so that you can see yourself in the character and then in doing some of the things that he did that helped him to begin a new life. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, anything else? Should we turn to work-life balance, the debate? Oh, by all means. Okay. Well, you know, I'm sure you're aware, dear listeners, there has been so much talked about urging us to strive for work-life balance. 
But as I like to do on this show, there is an under-discussed counter-position. So I'd like Barbara and I to have a debate in which we simply alternate briefly saying, you know, the argument for working less, the argument for working more, and, uh, and we'll see where it takes us. How's that? Does that sound good, Barb? That's fine. I think anybody who has listened to this show over the years could pretty well predict who's going to do which side. Well, again, this is a, I think this, again, this debate format is something that's a, you know, it's a little bit different. Anyway, go ahead. So you want to start by uh, arguing for generally working less. I'm going to argue for generally working more. You're going to argue for generally working less. Yes, I think it's important to work less because when all you do is work, A, if anything ever happens to that work, you are in big trouble because you have nothing to fall back on. And presumably, you either live with some other people, a family, parents, husband, wife, the significant other, children, and you are cheating them when you're not there. It's one thing to say we, we talk about quality time all the time, but there is also quantity of time. Children are not always so happy with just uh, 20 minutes of quality before they go to sleep. There is that notion of, of having the parent around and, and feeling secure and knowing that they're there, not always having to be with the babysitter or in the after-school program. Uh, having you come to their events, their triumphs, their their sadness, whatever, they want their parents around. So I think that when you put everything into your work, uh, you make a mistake and you cheat not just yourself but others of the relationships that can be so important and tend to be more enduring. You can lose your job. The, the company goes under, you get fired. There are lots of ways in which the job no longer is there, and then there's nothing. Well, my, my core message and disagreement is the notion of one-size-fits-all. To take the two, if the example you gave, if I've got three kids, and especially if my job is what's called fungible, that is, I'm replaceable. Let's say I am a lab technician uh, who's basic doing a lab technician work, and uh, you know I'm basically interchangeable with a, a hell of a lot of other people with an associate's or a, uh, a bachelor's degree in, uh, in, in technical, being lab technologist or lab technician. And my ki- especially if my kids are particularly wanting of me in not just quant- quality time, but quantity time at this stage in their development. And my spouse, uh, male or female, of course, um, wants me a lot. Then the, then the balance certainly shifts toward work-life balance. In addition, by the way, there are some people who, from a cosmic meaning-of-life perspective, don't care that much about productivity. So if you you know, f- consider all those factors, that person might be well advised to emphasize work-life balance. But let's take the other position uh, of a situation that is fairly common. Let's say, for example, the person doesn't have a family, and the person, his or her core identity is defined by their work productivity and is not fungible. Let's say the person is, for example, a, a, a psychotherapist, and the psychotherapist has a gift 
for really being helpful in helping people get out of their depression or their anxiety or their phobias or whatever. And that person has a choice between spending hours 40 through 60 in uh, the standard recommended work-life balance, for example, even if he or she doesn't have children, spending it on recreation, meditation, yoga, watching TV, playing video games, all the, the, and going to their, their relative's wedding across the country. If that person makes the choice to say, you know, I'm going to spend hours 40 to 60 seeing more clients because I'm not fungible, I am not interchangeable, and certainly there are going to be some clients who may not think I'm so great, but the clients who are coming to see me and wanting to see me and would have to wait and be on my waiting list uh, can get to see me now. In my judgment, that that person is extraordinarily honorable. I won't go as far as to say it's the only way to live, but my God, we, we play a, a one-size-fits-all game with work-life balance. You hear the gurus, and they're not talking about it with a nuanced way what's right for some, not right for others. They say, slow down, pause, go to, for everybody. Go slower to go to get more done. You're not a human doing, you're a human being. All of these broad-brush statements that I believe ultimately are way too simplistic. That's my counter-argument. Barbara, what's your rejoinder? I think... Obviously, there is no one-size-fits-all, but in general, I see people who are today quite stressed because of the very long hours that they put in, and I think that takes a toll on them, on their families. I think we're so rushed today. Uh, parents, because they're working so hard, uh, they they don't get to see their children until 6.30 at night, and then it's hurry up. You have to eat dinner because you have to go to bed because you have to take a bath first. And the, that is a very high level of stress for a family and particularly for kids to be living with. So, yes, in some circumstances, sure, you might want to put in a few extra hours because you have a few very needy clients Nobody's saying that you're not going to do that. But to make that the uh, every day, I'm always staying late. I don't get home till after 8 o'clock. I don't have dinner with the family. I, I think that that's just not good, and I think relationships suffer. I think I'd like to now, instead of me arguing back with you, let's invite the listeners. If you've been listening to this and you have a, a thought on whether you think work-life balance really is as primary as today's gurus suggest, or perhaps you think it's, a, it's an overly broad generalization or simply want to comment on something that Barbara or I said, the phone number here, work with Marty Nemco and KALW, 415-841-4134. That's 415-841-4134. And we, while we're waiting for the calls, there was something you wanted to say, Barbara, so I think it's, maybe it's a good time to say Well, it. yes. Um, it, it, this is your chance. This is your last chance to call in and argue with me. You have one more chance to call in and argue with Marty. Next week, um, yeah. Because there's only this show and one more show next week. Next Thursday, and then yeah. Work with Marty and Emco is off the air. Uh, this station has decided to replace this show. So it's your last chance to get some advice. I think over it's been amazing. It's been a 30-year run since the show started as School Talk and has morphed over the years into work. But I think 
particularly, I mean, I'm, I'm only on once every month or five weeks or so, but Marty has spent every week trying to help people with their work problems, their, their careers, their planning, their uh, particular issues about anything related to work. And uh, I think he's done a remarkable amount of good. I've all seen right, so right, many right. letters. For, well, you, you always talk about my awards, so <laughs> stop. Um, uh, I've seen so many letters from people who said it made a big difference in their lives. So this is it. I know next week he's uh, going to do the show by himself, and he's going to pack in as many really important career tips as he he possibly can. That's true. So we'd love to say goodbye. I'd like to say goodbye tonight. And um, call in now and let us know what you think about work-life balance. Yeah, the phone number here at Work with Marty Nemco and Barbara Nemco, 415-841-4134. That's 415-841-4134. Getting off of that, um, we also, in planning the show, we, uh, we talked about whether we should have a... Uh, debate on one of the big decisions of life. You know, uh, many of the listeners to this station are not kids. They're in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and even a couple in their 80s who have called well, into the show. Especially those who listen to this show. That's what I'm saying, right. Um, and um, so one of the big decisions of the, certainly in the second half of one's life is certainly a big career decision is should you retire. And so I have... Um, Created, frankly, a, a, a kind of a, de- a written debate um, in which uh, we take the two sides. But I, I, I this time again is another. I'm always trying different experiments. In this case, instead of just ad libbing, which is what we just did about about work life balance, I created a um, an actual debate where I made the very best arguments I could for retiring and not in a given situation. I thought that might be illuminating for you. But first, I'd like to prioritize the listeners. We'll do that uh, that debate in, uh, in a moment, but let's take a call. Uh, welcome to work with Marty Nemco and Barbara Nemco. Uh, what's on your mind? Um, yes, hi. I just wanted to say for work-life balance, for me, it's not working eight straight hours and then forgetting about work. For me, it's like I work till I get tired, maybe six mm-hmm. hours. Me too. And then I want to go home. And, and maybe hopefully do some exercise or something, and right. then come back to it. And I think maybe uh, I've talked to people who've also gone to graduate school, and that's like kind of what you do in grad school, yep. and you get used to that. But you try telling that to most uh, of the people who employ you. Is there a way to try to convince them that that's, you know, that's what some people do? Yes, that's a great... I love your call. So, you know, you, you know there are some ignorant bosses. There's no way around it. But... I can only tell you this would be my best shot if I were trying to convince my boss of that. First of all, you were quite articulate. You did it very well. I'm not trying to one-up you here. Um, but what I would probably say is something like this. Um, Mr. or Ms. Boss, I, I know how much you, uh, you, know, you value having a structure that's uh, uniform for everybody because it's, uh, it just makes it easier to manage and there can't be complaints of, you know, about uh, uh, un- preferential treatment. So I can understand why you might say no. Uh, it's that we see I'm preempting the objection up front. And so I then say, but I'm perhaps, perhaps, notice I use the word perhaps, a little different. I love working, and I end up probably putting in uh, a full eight hours, maybe more, over the course of a day. But I'm one of these people who begins to get a little itchy 
after about an hour or two. So I like to sit for an hour, maybe take a 10-minute break, maybe work for two hours and then take a 30-minute break. And then sometimes after six hours, I want to go and do yoga or I want to go and, uh, you know, chat with my friends or whatever. And then because I don't go to bed till 11 or 12, uh, you could easily find me at my computer at 10 or 11. Um, Mr. or Ms. Boss, do you think you might, at least on a trial basis, afford me the opportunity to uh, try that kind of elongated day with more breaks in the middle? I think I'll be more productive for you. That's how I would word it. What's your reaction to that, Barbara, first of all, and then caller? Well, I think that lots of workplaces have flexible hours. Uh, Sometimes that's to avoid traffic. Sometimes that just more accommodates a person's particular lifestyle. Um, And this is sort of a variation on that, the difference being that the eight hours would not all be put in in the workplace, whereas with flexible schedules, somebody might come in at 6 in the morning uh, and leave early. So I think you could make a case for it. Of course, it's going to depend on the nature of your job. If you have a job where you need to interact with the public and they expect that you're going to be there between the hours of 8 and 5, then you would not be able to do that. But if you have the kind of job that can be done from anywhere on your computer and you have a certain level of productivity and you can show that the productivity is not going to be any different, uh, I'm sure you can get that kind of flex. I'm not sure. I think there's a chance you could get that kind of flexibility, and I think it's something that the wellness people would really get behind Mm -hmm. because it affords you that opportunity to take that break, release the stress, do some exercise, and then get back to it with a clearer head. Mm -hmm. Dear Carla, what was your reaction to my approach? I I really like the trial factor. It's Mm -hmm. basically saying you lose nothing. Mm -hmm. By doing this, and in fact, you may gain more productivity, and certainly my well wishes kind of thing. So I really, really enjoyed that, and um, I thought it the the whole flex thing. It's good in theory. They say, "Oh, we're going to do that," and oftentimes, you know, it's the the actual individual person says, "Oh, no, I don't think so." And um, but but I think it's definitely worth a try. And one quick comment about the shift kind of thing. It seems like I've seen people come in at 6 and everybody says, oh, they're so wonderful. They come in at 6. They leave like at 1. If you come in at 10 or 11, it's like seen as very less productive, less important, less something or other. For what it's worth, it may be unrealistic on my part, but I think if you are going to come in at an unconventional time that's convention is widely viewed as less than, I think you have some kind of an obligation to explain that. To say, you know, mm-hmm. I come in at 10 or 11 doesn't mean I leave, you know, I put in the hours, but because of my what, child care responsibilities, my biological rhythms, whatever the hell it is, you, you know, explain that. So, so you quell, again, to use that word preempt, you preempt the objection before it begins to take hold and you get branded as somebody who's lazy. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. Okay. And uh, thank you so much. You're- and I'm so sorry about the program. You just both been so wonderful. I, we've so tried. Years. We certainly have tried, and we feel we're doing, we're probably, if I really am honest, I think I'm better than I have ever been, and so it's a little painful, but onward we move. So I thank you very much for the call. Uh, thank Bar- you. Yeah. Let's go, um, Barbara, let's move to the other topic, um, that question of should I retire. Do you have that, uh, that little uh, script I've written for this? I do. Cool. So um, for those people who are just joining us, um, 
again, in, I always try different formats for, for dealing with various issues. And one format that I occasionally use is to have a debate. And usually the debate is free form between Barbara and me. And sometimes we even switch sides in the middle. So the winner of the debate is, is not who's the better debater, but which side is better. But this time, um, I wrote a script that presents as well as I could both sides of an individual person. And of course, it's going to vary with the person whether they should retire or not. But um, a point counterpoint about a particular person who's thinking about retiring. Barbara, why don't you kick it off? Well, I'll kick it off, but let me let me precede kicking off the script by saying this is a script. Right, it's this fictional. fiction. Completely because fictional. Since I've been tasked with taking the I'm thinking of retiring right. part, and I am not, clearly, not thinking right. about Neither, retiring. We're both I want way. to make that perfectly clear. Right. We are both a long way from retiring, and so this is just to try to serve people who are in that area, in that realm. So, Barb, go ahead. Okay. I'm thinking of retiring. Part of it's altruistic. I feel it might be time to pass the torch on to the next generation, and I can afford to retire. Most people could use the income more than I do. Besides, while I'm still competent and have tried to keep up with the latest and greatest, I'm guessing that a well-qualified younger person would eh, possibly bring more to the table. But look, you're still better than a lot of people, and your experience does add a lot that young people just simply can't have. Yeah, but another reason to retire is that I've made incremental changes in what I do, but I've been in the same career for decades. I'm ready for a change. But who'd hire someone my age as a newbie in some different career? I have a better shot at getting to do something new as a volunteer, and because I'd have the time if I retired, I'd have a wider range of volunteer opportunities. Plus, I wouldn't need to have the energy of a young person. I could do it part-time. And not working, I might even have the bandwidth to also take a course now and then. But shouldn't you ease into retirement by, say, cutting back to part-time? Sounds good in theory, but I suspect they won't let me do that, if only because they probably wouldn't mind if I retired. So they're turning me down for part-time would pressure me to retire without their accruing any legal problems. Well, then, how about creating a glide path for yourself, doing a little less work on the job? I don't think they'd tolerate that. That'd give them an excuse to lay me off. I'd rather go out on my own terms than get fired, even if they call it laid off. Well, could you delegate some of your job's stressful work and substitute some, say, mentoring, passing on what you've learned over a lifetime to the next generation? Oh, that's also nice in theory, but maybe because I'm not a star or seen as the most likable, I haven't exactly been buried in requests to be mentored. It might be more realistic to retire and volunteer for a mentorship organization like the Service Corps of Retired Executives. They call that SCORE. Mentoring a young entrepreneur or corporate employee or big brothers, big sisters, mentor some bright, nice kid at a nearby school who could use a caring one-on-one relationship. And do remember, once you retire, it's a one-way street. It's like that old Roach Motel commercial. You can check in, but you can't check out. My accountant says that I'm one of the rare ones who can afford to retire even if I do live another 20 years. Yeah, but we all know people who get beset by some very expensive illness. Even if you've got good insurance, there are deductibles, there are co-pays, there are lifetime limits, uncovered services, and so on. You could run out of money. If for nothing else, shouldn't you keep working for the money? Those are anomalies. Can't control for every risk. There is another reason to retire, though. Freedom. Instead of having to get up at 6 in the morning and fight the commute... I don't 
don't mind the idea of sleeping late, lingering over, lingering over coffee in the newspaper, going to a museum, a midday movie, and getting together with fellow retirees. You know, you're romanticizing. After a few months, maybe even a few weeks of that, a lot of people regret retiring, especially people like you, for whom work is central to what you value. Plus, you like having structure in your life. So many people flunk retirement. And so many people love retirement. Remember also, though, that if you retire, you're going to be spending a lot more time with your wife. It's one thing to get along when you're at work all day, but being together 24-7, that can strain even a great marriage, and yours is good, but it's had its ups and downs. You're being too pessimistic. My wife and I had more time together. We might travel more, maybe even get closer. Our marriage has become pretty humdrum. We come home from work, have dinner, talk about our work day, and then a little parallel play. She'll watch TV, I'll play on the computer, she'll talk with friends, I'll play a, vid- play a video game or fix something around the house. Maybe retiring would help. But, you know, to tell you the truth, I'm still not sure whether I should retire or not. Okay, and dear. having said that, let me remind listeners that was <laughs> fictional, right. not retiring. Right. Uh, this was a script I wrote. We rarely script things at all on this show, but I figured I would try that um, as in hopefully a way to more thoughtfully tease out what are the best arguments pro and con retirement. Um, it's, uh, the question is for you, dear listeners, are any of those compelling for you? So now, I'll give out the phone number. If you, um, if you would like to comment, or even if you're deliberating retiring uh, and would like to kind of hear our thoughts on it, or you have retired and want to share your thoughts, anything that will augment the discussion is fair game here at Work with Marty Nemco and Barbara Nemco and KALW, 415-841-4134. That's 415 415-841- Forty-one, thirty-four. Apart There's another group that you didn't ask to call in, and I'd love to hear from them. Go ahead. If you've retired and you are one who flunked retirement mm-hmm. and are now back at work, I would love to hear your thoughts on the topic. Great. One more time, phone number, because the calls are coming in. 415-841-4134. So let's go to the phones. Welcome to the show. It is your turn on the air. Uh, what's on your mind? Um, I heard you talking about retirement and I'm personally, I'm an advocate for mentoring and and so on, and it reminded me. Um, I, I like to think of fun with retirement, but also engaging in something that's meaningful to you at the same time. There was a special on 60 Minutes, I believe, years ago, about uh, a home in Italy where retired opera singers would live, mm. and I believe it, it was from some kind of donation. It was from um, I think it was Verdi or someone who mm. donated this money, but. The concept I love, where these here are these people that have lost their prime in in their singing voice, and uh, pe- someone, uh, an aspiring young singer, can come and learn tips from them. Wow, I love it. And and, and um, I'm personally, I'm I'm an architect and artist, mm-hmm. and I um, I look forward to when I retire, uh, helping young artists and architects. And um, for me, that would be fun. And right. Uh, I, I would just wanted to enter the word fun into the discussion. I love it. And it's certainly, you know, Eric Erickson, the famous social psychologist, you know, coined the term generativity. There is a sense, apart from the fun, people like the idea that they're creating a legacy, that they're passing on what they know. You're an honored member of the work with Marty Nemco Workforce, so I thank you very much for the call. All right. No problem. Barbara, any comments? Should we go back to the phones? 
No, well, I, I think the idea that you could have more fun when you retire is fundamental to why people think about it. If we can. The I idea that you could do whatever you wanted to do, and it might be mentoring or it might be taking up skiing or swimming or, or whatever. Of course, the unvarnished truth is that a lot of people retire because of health issues. So certainly mm-hmm. if you're retiring and have some, even if it's reduced uh, energy or whatever, we, as corny as this sounds, we must, especially as we reach retirement age, uh, must treasure every moment and try to milk as much, whether your your value system is to milk, milk as much fun out of it or as much making a difference as possible, for example, in mentoring. But we really must treasure that. Most, Thomas Edison said, our most valuable possession is time, and there is no question that it is. Let's go back to the phones. Welcome to work with Marty Nemco and Barbara Nemco. What's on your mind? Hello, it's you. Are you there? Last time. Are you there? Hello? Hi, yes. Hi, it's your turn on the air. You're on the air. What's on your mind? Yes, yes, I am. I'm um, hopefully where I can talk to you on the phone. Okay, please do. Go ahead. Yes, um, I have been self-employed for like almost 40 years. Mm. And um, I do restoration of artwork on paper and things like that. Mm -hmm. I love the work. Mm -hmm. But I'm going through a period of time where um, I've lost the assistance that I've had for quite a few Mm. years. And I'm exhausted. And I don't know whether I should, you know, try to find more people to help me out or whether maybe, maybe I should just stop taking any more work and just stop. Well, let's look at that. Let's let's compare two options and see what. Let's start with an emotion, with the emotions first. Let's assume that you went to an excellent, you know, found you found somebody from the, you contacted the head of the, the department at a uh, an art school that had an excellent, you know, restoration department, and you found somebody who both had the skills and maybe you know whom you'd like to mentor, or you closed up shop. That's one vision. The other vision is you close up shop and now you're freed from that. You no longer have to do that and you have time to fill it with something else. What, first of all, what would you fill it with if you, let's say it was a new law and it said you could no longer do restorations, what would you fill the time with? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I really rely on the income from this work mm. and... Um, I'm old enough that I've got Social Security, but it's not going to be enough to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, keep me alive. I do have a younger sibling who said, you know, I could come and move in with them any time, but I don't think I'd want to do that. Right, so, so the money thing is huge for you. Does the goddess within you, the wise woman within you, think you should take the time to find a wonderful assistant? Because there, you know, there's so many people who love art and painting and antiquities and etc. And for, and I do like you know that idea of contacting the person who teaches the advanced course in that at different Bay Area schools. There's so many art schools here. And interviewing a few people to see if there's somebody who clicks with you who can take on that work, allowing you to keep making the money and enabling you to be a mentor. How do you feel about that? And then enabling you to be independent and not have to rely on your brother. What do you think? How do you feel about that? I think you've given me the answer. Great. (laughs) 
Thank you very much for calling work with Marty Nemco. Barbara, any comments? Or oh, good job. I no, do my best. Good job, Martin. I like to think that... Yes, I, I, you know, I hate the idea of you guys going off the air, so I'm going to be calling KALW tomorrow morning and complaining. Uh, that's very kind of you. It really is a privilege to do it. I feel I've, I'm better than I've ever been in my life, so it is kind of frustrating to not serve you. And it really is about service. I don't know if you know, I don't get paid to do this. I love answering calls. I love helping people. I love sharing tips that, you know, I've had 5,700 career counseling clients, and I, I curate them, to use, forgive the restoration word, to try to give you the best. So it is sad uh, for me. Um, so anyway, I thank you very much for the call. Um, for those of you just joining, I will. Yeah, this is my last show. Not tonight, but uh, next Thursday is my last show. The station manager has decided that she'd like to uh, uh, replace the show with uh, some. There's something called the this station is KELW. They have a training program called the uh, KELW the uh, Audio Academy, and they're going to be doing shows each week produced by those trainees. Um, so uh, that's it. It's been a privilege. Let's go. Let's let's uh, Barbara. Let's you would you would come up with something that was again. You know, I'm, in these last couple of weeks, I'm trying to come up with things that are quite different. Just for you know, for I love experimenting, even to the end. So you, the, there was this article that you talked about about uh, a man in suburbia. Tell me about what's tell you want to talk about that. What's that? Well, a very sad article that was in that was published um, in August, and it was called "Male Loneliness in Suburbia." I think these days we hear so much about uh, male privilege and white privilege, and this is a, a long, very detailed letter, but in just uh, 25 words or less, a guy who grew up and had a life plan, got married early, had wife and two kids. Uh, things were pretty good, he thought. And after 30 years of marriage, his wife told him that she didn't want to stay married to him anymore. Um, she just decided that she had married too young and she wanted to uh, be free to do what she wanted. And she wasn't going to leave immediately because the kids were still in uh, college, I believe, and it would cost too much money. But she kind of separated herself from him, was going out with her girlfriends, and he had decided a few years before that he wanted to work from his home office, largely because they had done a whole lot of diversity and in inclusion training, and he felt like... Everybody was looking at him, you know, as a white male, as though he might, kind of waiting for him to say the wrong thing so that they could accuse him. And he felt very awkward and uncomfortable working in the office. So he started working at home and thought that would be a good thing. But after a while, the loneliness of being at home alone all day, uh, not really fun. The, one of the best parts about work is the people that you get to interact with every day. And so he's sort of looking at his life and saying, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I did everything right. I went to school. I went to work. I worked hard. I married. I had a family. And now my life has totally fallen apart. I don't have the wife. I don't have the interaction with colleagues. Here I am. I'm lonely, and I hate my life. So that's what he said, and I'm particularly interested, you know, it's easy for me as a white male to uh, to react to that. But I'm curious, as, from your perspective as a woman, um, what are your reactions, if any, to, to this guy? 
I think it's probably a more common story than people think. Um, I, I think that in our desire to make sure that women were treated equally, uh, as always, when the pendulum swings, it tends to swing too far. And now it's all about women, 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 women. And I think for many men, particularly white men, constantly hearing how privileged they are, uh, it's got to be frightening, it's got to be scary, and it does have to be lonely because you see all the time people who are brought down by comments. I'm not talking about the Jeffrey Epsteins of the world who mm, right. had egregious behavior. Right. I'm talking about the guy who tells uh, the, the wrong joke at a party and suddenly he's out because he upset some, some people over a stray word. Um, and so I, I feel for him. I really feel for, I feel for men right now. I think they're in a, a tough place. Rather than me respond, let's see if we can uh, get some callers to uh, to weigh in on this. Um, you've heard Barbara tell the story of this this white male and uh, uh, what he perceived as was his plight. Uh, he certainly doesn't feel very privileged. Uh, if you'd like to weigh in on this, we're very you know always eager to hear your perspectives as long as respectfully dispensed. It's it's more than welcome. The phone number here. And it's your last chance. Yeah, it's your last. <laughs> it's only this and one more show, so this is the time to yeah, weigh in. Yeah, those of you just joining us, yes, the show is uh, the station manager has decided to end the show as of you know I have one more show after this week. So yes, if you want to weigh in on this, this is um, the last time. Um, pretty or much. on anything else. Well, let's stay focused. So uh, I thought you did a good job of summarizing what this uh, what this guy was experiencing. So you can call for that, or if you've got a work-related problem, I always like to prioritize, because if you're struggling, all this academic stuff is, is you know, is too, too flighty. If you've got a work-related problem of any sort and you're stuck and you could use some help, let's say you're unemployed and even we are, we're at the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years, but if you are still unemployed or you're well-employed and unhappy, that's a good reason to call. So either because you wanted to comment on this, uh, this white male who's complaining about his loneliness in... Uh, uh, in his work life and personal life, or you've got a work-related problem. The phone number here at Work With Marty Nemco and Barbara Nemco, 415-841-4134. That's 415-841-4134. And back to the phones. It is your turn on the air. Uh, what's on your mind? Hello. Hello. Hi there. So uh, this is my first time being on the radio show on the air. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. Please correct me if I... Anything wrong before exit? It's okay. So, uh, so I just I uh, was just listening to your radio program. It was really fun driving and listening. And I heard this lady. She does restoration, art restoration, right? And and she's uh, very tired, obviously, and needs some help. Mm-hmm. My twin brother, hmm. actually, I'm calling for him. He's a he graduated from an art school in back home in Turkey. Uh-huh. And he does uh, restoration huh. of artworks, and uh, these are very old antique uh, paintings. Right. He's been, uh, yeah, restoration, doing all that, and he's, he has a small business, like a startup. I'm going to interrupt you. So what I want you to do is stay on the line. I'm going to say goodbye to you, but stay on the line and give your phone number or his phone uh, number or his email address to Joanne, yeah. who is who's here. Uh, who will take your information, and the yes. dear listener who is the restorationist, if you would call back, then Joanne will give you his contact information. How's that? What? 
Well, I, I can leave my number. The Joanne can just directly text me a message or give me a call. That would be really nice. So I just wanted to reach out, actually, just to be able to, you know, talk to her or get in touch with her. Great. That's why I actually so wanted to call. Stay on so the line. I, all right. Okay. Very good. And thanks for calling. That's that's another nice little uh, purpose. Of this. Yeah, so that's happened a lot of times. Maybe we made a match. You know, sometimes people call in with their career problem, and some, you know, with a, a large number of people listening, or I don't know how large, but plenty, you know, plenty of people listening. There's very often somebody who's uh, um, able to um, be of, uh, like you said, service. like be a yep. match. Okay. Um, let's Anybody tur- else calling in? Uh, no, let's turn. I, you know, I, as you know, Barbara. I um I'm gonna give you a choice. We can do whatever you, whichever of these two things you want. I have I always collect a, a series of tweets. You know I I've written <laughs> five thousand tweets. Every time I get an idea that I think is worthy of people reading or hearing, I tweet them. And then every month or so I go over my last month's tweets. And anything that I think is worthy of the KALW listeners, um I write down. So I can either tick off those you know one at a time. And you can react if you want. Or I've assembled a list of 16 careers for people who are bad at coming up with good ideas. Which would you rather, and then you can respond to those as I tell them. I think 16 careers that could help people would be a good thing to do right now. Cool. Okay. So the first, and I try to focus on under-the-radar careers rather than the usual. Um, There are a lot of people who are interested in being a psychologist, but most people have never even heard of a psychometrist. They're typically hired by the school system or the legal system. The psychometrist administers a wide range of psychological and educational tests, and most of those have very precise procedures of administration. So you don't need to come up with your ideas you know, yourself. You are using the, the carefully defined procedures. Um, any comment about that, or should I go on to the next one? Sounds like fun. Okay. What kind of training does it take to get that job? Ma- master's level. It's not a, okay. not a doctoral. Now, teacher, whether it's from kindergarten all the way through college, teachers can draw from a mountain of good curriculum, and so they can focus on excellent implementation. They don't have to come up with their own ideas. And special education teaching, for example, say of autistic kids, might be particularly well-suited to the teacher who's better at implementation than at idea generation. Uh, uh, Or developmentally disabled kids, where there isn't going to be that much idea generation needed. And um, somebody who might uh, like to be a teacher but outside of the educational system, you know, they might ride the wave and, you know, to use, you know, might teach the aforementioned yoga or meditation or Pilates. Or another ride the wave option is to help immigrants to improve their English, you know, tutor them and maybe understand mainstream U.S. culture. So teachers, surprisingly, might be um, an option for people who aren't so great at coming up with good ideas. What do you think? I think teacher today is a very good career because there are lots there's lots of need lots of jobs so this is a good time for someone who wants to become a teacher uh but the idea that they don't need to be creative and generate their own ideas well yeah there is a lot of curriculum i think most important to be a a good teacher is you need to be able to establish relationships no question because if kids don't like you it doesn't matter what That's curriculum, right. what methodology, or what you do, they're not going to learn. No they question. learn because they have a relationship with you, and they, they want to make that work. They want to please you. 
Yep. You know, without even giving out the phone number, the call's coming in, so let's go, let's go to the phones. Welcome to work with Marty Nemco and, and Barbara Nemco. What's on your mind? Hello. Hello. It's, it's you. Hey. Yes. Just wanted to toss out a comment to oh, you. Sure. You have given good advice throughout the years. Thank well you. done. I appreciate it. And I especially like your tagline. Find comfort in those who agree with you and growth in those who don't. Yeah, I worry a lot about groupthink. And I think we are, you know, there's too much too much of, uh, of society's mind molders. The schools, colleges, and media are speaking from one set of perspectives. And, I, you know, I, candidly, it bothers me when I see children who have wafer-thin knowledge, for example, of climate change, yelling at, at, at politicians who have been getting the input from world-leading experts. And these kids have the hubris to think they know more than, than people who have spent their life studying and listening to this. I don't think that's going to create a thinking populace. I'm very worried about that, and that's where I think the tagline, we find comfort among those who agree with us, growth among those who don't, may be more important than ever. Anyway, exactly. I thank you for the call. Barbara, You're quite welcome. Take care, and I'm uh, sorry to hear you leaving. Well, I have fortunately, I'm very grateful. I have a couple of, frankly, national options that have already emerged. Nothing, you know, it ain't, an, it ain't a deal until it's a deal. But um, there are some other options that are already making themselves available. So I'm honored that uh, even at those prospects. And I really do appreciate your call, though, because it's been a privilege to do this show. So thank, thank you. You're welcome. Barbara, any reactions? That was very nice. I'm glad he took the time to call in. Usually people call in when they have something that they don't agree with, and it's not that often that people call in to just say, I appreciate the fact that you've been doing the show, so thank you, sir. You know, Barbara, I don't think I've given, you know, because you've been on the show for the 30 years, too. Yes, only once a month or so, but do you, is there anything you want to say to the listeners from your own, forget about me, from your own perspective, because you're not going to be on the show next week, the last, the last show. Is there anything you want to say to the listeners? Uh, only that it has been an honor and a privilege, and I appreciate the nice comments that have come in. Didn't always appreciate the not-so-nice <laughs> right. comments, but I've learned to survive, because, again, uh, we need to, to look at the things that maybe we don't do so well. So um, I thank you. I thank you for listening to the show, and uh, I wish everyone who listens to has listened to this show the very best of luck and the best career lives they can possibly have. Absolutely. Okay, we've got some time left. So we, we were in the middle of, uh, I was ticking off uh, uh, some careers that for people who are bad at coming up with good ideas and you're reacting. So another one, again, I like these under-the-radar ones. Being an eligibility worker, you know, for Social Security or welfare, thanks to the taxpayer, government is among the last employers to mainly use full-time, fully-benefited, job-secure employees. And the procedures for government employees, especially in something like eligibility, are often spelled out in great detail. So um, I think there's a great career for people who may be bad at coming up with good ideas. But as you were saying about teaching, the ability to connect with people can be very important. But it's, it's the kind of thing nobody ever graduates school saying, you know, I think I want to be a Social Security or welfare eligibility worker. But if you are somebody who's not great at coming up with good ideas, it is a you know quite rewarding career because in some ways you're playing Santa Claus. You're giving away benefits to people, and uh, yes, sometimes you've got to turn them down. But um, what do you think about that, Barb? How would you go about getting such a job? Oh well, you know, there at the state level, there there is certainly uh, CalJobs.org, and at the federal level, it's uh, you know it's USAJobs.gov. And or you can go directly to EDD, for example, for unemployment insurance, 
and uh, you know uh, those are the those are the main sites. I do like to say that while government likes to portray itself as being very objective in who they hire, there is no firewall in hu- between humanity between the private and public sectors. And I've seen again and again that even in the government sector, disproportionately, the people who end up getting the job are going to be people who know somebody. So, yes, you may have to pass the exam and they may score it. You know, you've got a 93 and this one got a 77. But as long as you pass the minimum score, then the, the hiring manager can often pick whomever he or she wants. So having an in can often be crucial. All right. I want to give another. Okay. Well, before you before yeah. you get off this, I yeah. think if you're listening and you're looking for a job, pick up a pencil and write down those two websites for state and federal jobs because you may not hear it again, and those are really important bits of advice. Yeah, CalJobs.org and USAJobs.gov. But also, I like what are called interstitial agencies. Interstitial means between the cracks. There are a variety of other agencies that are governmental that people don't think about. And I'm not just talking about cities or even counties, but there are special boards. As I said, government is quite labyrinthine and large in the United States. So there are water boards. There are school boards. There are parks boards. There is ABAG, the Association of Bay Area Governments. There is the Metropolitan Transportation Commission. There's the PUC, the Public Utilities Commission. So these are all not state or local or federal jobs. So going to those websites, if you have a particular place in your heart or a skill set that might be better served, for example, working for a utility, you might go and visit just Google Public, Public Utilities Commission and look for jobs there. If you're somebody who, you know, is elected, like many people in the Bay Area, a devoted environmentalist, you might want to look for Parks Commission. Um, uh, if you're somebody who for some reason likes, uh, you know, cares about water, I live in uh, in Oakland on the Berkeley line, and there is the East Bay Municipal uh, Utilities District, which is about water. So maybe the under-the-radar tip here is to not just limit yourself to the federal and the state or whatever, but if you'd like to work for government, look for those interstitial, under-the-radar, between-the-cracks between the niches. Okay, now can I uh, sh- share another career that's for people who, that may be bad at coming up with good ideas? Sure. Okay, and let's, let's, uh, it sounded like maybe you want to say something. you want to say something, Bob? No. Okay. Um, there is, a, again, a kind of an in-between career, an under-the-radar interstitial career called intermediate-level health care provider. Doctors and other high-level medical professionals are primarily responsible for developing any creative plans to address patient needs. But nurses, physical therapy assistants, and so on, those are the plan's implementers. Um, so focusing on a career that is that intermediate level, I'm not talking about a medical assistant that doesn't make any money, that's 20 bucks an hour and you know that's not livable here in the Bay Area. But these intermediate level careers, like physician assistant, physical therapy assistant, nurse and nurse practitioner, nurse anesthetist, uh, all of those careers that are called intermediate level are don't necessarily require a lot of creativity, but just excellent implementation. Therefore, they are careers that are good for people who are not great at coming up with good ideas. Any comments there? Should I go on to the next one? You're on a roll. All right. Uh, paralegal. Or, you know, there's, it's a, there's very often a uh, kind of a fine line between paralegal and legal secretary. But as in these healthcare careers that I was just talking about, a high-level person, usually a lawyer or a judge, does much of the generation of the ideas, and the paralegal or legal secretary does most of the implementation. Also, 
the paralegals and legal secretaries are often are the first point of contact for clients who are often under stress. So having those people skills that we keep stressing at, if you may not be great at coming up with ideas, but if you're good at the people stuff, that can often be your saving grace. Any comments there? Nope. Okay. Keep going. One more and then... You're on limited time here. (laughs) We are very much on limited time. This is the second to the last show and there's only about a minute left in the show and then uh, next Thursday is the last show and then it's bye-bye for hopefully greener pastures but certainly bye-bye to KALW. Uh, for those of you just joining us, the station manager has decided to replace me with uh, with one-off shows that are that are have been produced by um, the trainees in the what it's called the KLW Audio Academy. So that's why I'm I'm always talking fast, but this is why I'm talking faster, maybe even than usual. Okay, administrative assistant. That's another career in which the boss, maybe an executive, is mainly generating the ideas and the assistant implements. I've had a lot of clients who prefer to be the right arm to an idea generator. It's a, it's a great career for the right person. One more I want to give. Fact checker. Or there's an, something close to it, like a copy editor or a proofreader. After a writer submits the text to their books, every time I write an article or write a book, um, the publication, if it's a major publication, uses a fact checker to verify statements. And then the draft might go to a copy editor who makes or suggests changes in the wording or even the organization. And finally, there's a separate person called a proofreader who reviews it for correct grammar and usage and punctuation. So if you're not great at coming up with ideas, but you're good at this kind of editing process or fact checking, that is, again, an under-the-radar, wonderful career um, fact checker, copy editor, or proofreader. Um, You got something to say or you want me to keep going? Your time's limited, yeah. Okay. Throw everything out there and maybe people find something that sticks. This is related. An indexer. A good index greatly enhances a nonfiction book's utility. Unless the book's author creates it, and I love creating, I've written 12 books, and I love creating my indexes. It really is a, a, a wonderful tool. But anyway, the, there's most books are edited or have an indexer, a professional indexer. And there's a lot of pressure because you've got to get it. Usually the, the indexer doesn't get the book until like six weeks before the publication date, so you've got to get it done, but it's great. One more, abstractor. That job is to digest clinical data on patients and enter it into a database, commonly regarding cancer. And abstractors are also used in real estate. They provide a summary of the history of pieces of real estate that are in escrow. And I think there I want to stop. Those are some careers, not 16, we didn't have a chance for it, but um, those are some careers for people who aren't so great at coming up with good ideas. Barbara, we have a few seconds left. I'd like you to get the last word, because this is the last time you're going to be on this show forever. (laughs) (laughs) So I say... So say something. (laughs) Goodbye and good luck. No, say something else. One more thing. I've already said everything I have to all say. All right. You can't I say I'm... I wish you all the very best with great careers and great lives. Okay. I'm, uh, never let it be said. I don't want to be egalitarian. <laughs> anyway, that is work with Marty Nemco and Barbara Nemco for this week. My thanks to my board operator, Joanne Marr, and, of course, to all of you for listening and calling in all these years. Please do join me again next Thursday at 7 p.m. for my last show. As I said, KLW Station Manager is replacing my show with shows created by KLW trainees. I have, Because it's my last show, I will offer my very favorite career tips. Until then, this is Marty Nemco for Barbara Nemco, reminding you that we find comfort among those who agree with us, growth among those who don't.